Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Believe Georgia Dodge Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Air Cox with an up and out. Wide open. Touchdown. Israel Troop. Snap to Young. Drops back. Pressure from the edges. He throws near sideline. And it's intercepted. Intercepted. Kaylee Ringo at the 21. Off he goes. 40, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30. Near sideline. Breaks a tackle. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. 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 Georgia. Good evening, neighborhood. How about them dogs? 32-18. Let the celebration begin. All right, all right. Welcome in. It's the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Network. Also coming at you on Brinks.tv. Welcome in. Glad to have you. Uh, our social media information is scrolling right underneath. And joining me, as always, is my main man, Israel Troop. Israel, what's up, dude? What up? Fresh off the spring break. Ready to get back into it, man. Let's get it, man. Well, let's get into it. But first, uh, we, we got a special guest. And before I, uh, before I introduce him, I want to let you know we are sponsored by, bet, we're presented by Bet Online. It's our partners. Uh, bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Uh, they have the great Vegas casino games, poker. Uh, you can bet on MLB, which I'm, I'm going to start venturing into betting on baseball uh, since you know I'm not going to get banned like Pete Rose did. So it's super easy to get started. <laughs> Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, it's where the game starts. Well, um, if it sounds like I'm excited, it's because I am. Uh, we welcome on a very special guest. Uh, we're going to talk a little uh, NFL draft. The draft is coming up. There's a lot of there's a lot of Georgia Bulldogs in this draft, and uh, to help us discuss what these prospects look like is my man from the Believe in SCS Football podcast, as well as the NFL Draft Prospects Pro- podcast. It is Joe DeLeon. What up, man? Not much. Getting excited for the NFL draft. We're we're getting really close, which means. I get more and more antsy each week and I get busier and busier each week, but we're, we're excited for the draft. I'm certainly excited for the draft. And this is a great year for Georgia players too, to discuss. Absolutely. Well, while we got you for a, for a brief moment, um, you know, looking at the the list of prospects, it's, it's, it's rather long and, and rather long of guys that could very easily go in the first two rounds out of this whole list. Just, just off the top, just, you know, just off the top here before we dive into anybody specific, who on this list jumps out at you uh, the most? Who do you think will have the most impact? Who do you think possibly goes first? I think the first player of the Georgia guys that that's going to get selected is is definitely Jordan Davis, uh, the big, massive defensive tackle who at one point was 360 pounds. I think he was down to 340 at the combine, but still 6'6", 340. He moves as fast as he does at 478 human beings are not supposed to move that quickly. And Mm -hmm. I think a team is going to really fall in love with his value as a run defender. He is a little bit weak as a pass rusher. And I I don't think that you're going to get three down impact from Jordan Davis, but man, the dude is just hard to stop. You're not going to double team him. He is really, really good. But I think an underrated name 
in who can provide a really early impact is Lewis seen uh, the safety that they had this past year, who again, tested better than expected. All these Georgia guys tested really, really well at the combine, but in particular, Lewis seen really hard hitting guy, very, very aggressive. Love the way that he tackles uh, to me. I think somebody maybe at the end of the first round, early second could get a really nice plug and play safety in Lewis seen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you look at Lewis scene, you know, one of the things I noticed is, you know, sometimes that he will, he will jump on a, on a low route, you know, and, and kind of bust his coverage a little bit. Uh, is there any concerns with Lewis scene? Uh, I, I know, you know, all, all the stuff he brings to the table, athleticism, uh, playing the ball in the air and obviously is hitting. Um, what, what are the things that could, you know, for Lewis seen that he could improve or will need to improve um, as he goes through his NFL journey? Yeah. The, you hit on the one thing. I, he's a very aggressive player. And when you have guys that are, are aggressive, they're always looking for that big hit, the next big play to make. And I think that maybe if you reel something like that in, that's going to help a player like Lewis seen. But I mean, overall, I, I think he's a guy that's going to provide uh, a significant impact for a team um, early on because he's one of the more, I mean, they're all really polished. It's hard to say who's more polished of the group, but I think that he hasn't been brought up enough. And instead we're, we're kind of hyping up uh, the two linebackers that Georgia has with um, Quay Walker and Nicobe Dean. But, you know, to me, I think Lewis definitely really high impact player. If he works on that aggressiveness, maybe jumping things a little bit too much. Uh, you know, that's, that's one big thing for me. Israel. No, I, I, I completely agree. I think he, he struggled a little bit at the beginning um, of the season because of that exact thing. You know, he wanted to come in and, and knock people's heads off, which I'm fine with it's safety. Mm-hmm. Um, he reminds me a lot of, uh, he's an undersized Greg blue, you know, mm-hmm. Greg blue, the same way Greg blue bustle coverage in a minute. He'll also knock the hell out of you too. You yes. know, so um, he always seen it just tiny dynamite, you know, so you can tell as the season got it, uh, progressed along, you know, he started playing zone a little bit, a little bit better. Um, in the last two games, um, I mean, he showed out, you know, he was able to cover, he was able to hit, he was able to fill the alley. Um, mm-hmm. so I think his ceiling's high, you know, I also agree. I think that Jordan Davis would be, um, the first dog taken simply from the fact that people look for defensive linemen. I mean, if you look at the NFL right now, people are running the ball. Um, yes, they're going to pass the ball, but it's more so uh, predicated on the run game now. So I think people are looking for run stoppers now. So the defensive guys from Georgia that are in their draft, I mean, they're, they, they entered at the right time because that's exactly what teams are looking for, defensive guys. Now, when you, when you look at defensive linemen, you know, Devontae Wyatt, Trevon Walker, where do those guys fit? Yeah, Trevon Walker, you're, we're starting to get that buzz for him. And I, I completely blanked on him possibly being the first guy. I, I forget about Trevon Walker so often because – He's we we're, we lumped these three guys together: Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson, and then now Trevon Walker. He's kind of snuck up on us. He he originally was somebody who was probably going to be in the middle of the first round, but as as time has slowly developed here, he's shown that he's a great athlete. He's shown that he he can move really really well. I think what might hold him back a little bit is determining: is he a true edge? Uh, is he a three tech? Where does he one hundred percent fit best? But I, you know, I think Trevon Walker, really, really good. There's a reason why he's in that conversation for that Jaguars pick, and you know, maybe potentially that his name's just being brought up because they're trying to not really play their hand on who they're going to take at that first spot. Maybe right. they're hoping a team is 
obsessed with Trevon Walker and trades up with them so they can get out of that first spot. Um, but I, I think Walker definitely one of the best of the bunch. This is certainly a really, really good defensive line group. Devontae Wyatt, though, deserves to be in this conversation as well. I think what Wyatt provides more than Davis, certainly not the same level of, of run defender, but we know that Devontae Wyatt can play more downs. I, again, not as big, not as much of a run defender, but I, I think with Devontae Wyatt, you're going to get uh, more usage out of him. Now, Israel with, with Trevon Walker, like his versatility and, and the way that Dan Lanning and, and Kirby Smart used him, you know, in zone blitz schemes and, and getting him in passing lanes and things like that. What, you know, what do you think that adds to his value? I think, I mean, his value skyrockets at this point because, I mean, you got a guy who, you know, like you say, he can, put, he can be a three technique and put his hand in dirt. You know, he can stand up, he can cover the flats, he can cover the hook curl zone. I mean, and the dynamic of the NFL, I mean, you got to have guys everywhere. So um, he is he's a hybrid guy. So it just depends on what what scheme the team's running. Um, you know, where does he fit? Where does he feel comfortable at? Because that, that's the main thing. Where does he feel comfortable at? Does he feel comfortable in three-point stance? Does he feel comfortable standing up? Um, right. To me, after watching him in these last couple of games, his hand in the dirt, I mean, he he's firing up the ball. Um, but at the same time, you know, if he's comfortable, you know, standing up, and being able to cover the flats, being able to be a, be a true edge rusher, kind of like your Von Millers, your bigger guys. Mm-hmm. Um, what's this from the from the Browns? Is it Garrett? Miles Garrett, Browns? yeah, Miles Garrett, Garrett. You know the TJ Watt like types, that. where they're they're standing up edge. Like they'll play a wide nine or a five, and they can they can play mm-hmm. both effectively. Yeah, he's kind of like that guy, and he's yeah. getting leaner. Um, you know, we mm-hmm. mentioned Jordan Davis lost twenty pounds. Uh, Walker's lost a little bit of weight too. He's looking leaner, uh, bigger. Um, and lean. So, I mean, you know, and uh, Wyatt is definitely the dark horse of this group because, I mean, he can play every down, whether it's yes, pass, whether it's rush, his durability is a little bit more. But I also think that Jordan Davis's durability is going to be a lot better now, too, since he's lost some weight. Um, I think he's figured it out like, hey, I can't be almost 400 pounds, but I want to play in the NFL. <laughs> I know, you right? know what I mean? So, yeah. And, and, and he's, he's going to use that to, you know, obviously he knows that his pass rush is not as strong and, but he's a guy that, you know, you, a, a three, four team or an odd front team picks him and he plays that zero nose and he can just push that pocket from the interior and kind of force that quarterback to not be able to step into throws or have to have to slide and get off a spot. So, you know, I think that's the value he brings you. you you're not going to see a Warren Sapp type pass rush out of Jordan Davis, but you will see somebody right. who's going to command a lot of attention. Yeah. He's that's what you're getting out of him. And maybe he develops a little bit more and his, his stamina has developed a little bit more, which probably will be the case that he's dropped 20 pounds. Maybe he loses a little bit more when whatever, whatever NFL team ends up on, they, they try to get him to lose a little bit more weight. If he does stay in the field for all three downs, you're really just putting him out there to take up space. Like he's strong enough to, to push the pocket. He just, he's not going to have any moves. He's not going to, he's not going to do anything crazy to, to, to create space and and make all these plays. He's not Aaron Donald. He's not going to have 20 sacks, but he's big enough to take up space. He's like Vita Vea is what you can get out of him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, yeah, you know, got to stop the run somehow. Right. 
Right. And and I really like, uh, you know, Devontae Wyatt. I kind of followed the, the senior bowl a little bit more uh, this year than I usually do. Uh, but I think you're going to get great value out of him because the teams that are picking him back half of the first, first round, I think you're going to get a really good versatile defensive tackle. Yeah. Devontae Wyatt. I think that you definitely get more versatility out of him than Jordan Davis and, and Israel. I, I definitely agree with you. I think he could be the, you know, the sleeper of the group the, of the, the defensive lineman among Walker Davis and, and him, because he provides multi-down value and he is a really, really good athlete. I think we were all so caught up with what Jordan Davis did at the NFL combine that we overlooked the fact that Devonte Wyatt also tested really, really well as well. So I, I think more people should be paying attention to Devonte Wyatt and I think that that value is there and it makes sense for him to be projected as a first rounder. And we were talking beforehand, Corey, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he goes before Jordan Davis because of that. It, it all is going to come yeah. down to whatever team wants to pick Jordan Davis. Are they willing to pick a guy that might only play two downs? And that's what might push wide up a little bit more. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, Looking at linebackers too, you know, on, on the defensive uh, in the defensive front. I mean, you look at guys like Nicobe Dean and Quay Walker, both really similar players. Uh, you know, Israel, you and I, when when we were talking about the Orange Bowl and the play that I saw that I knew Michigan was screwed was that play where uh, they're in man coverage. Nicobe Dean, they line the the running back out wide. Nicobe Dean's out there on him and the, goes in that fly motion and runs across the formation and then hawks him down for a one yard loss <laughs> on a screenplay. I knew right then and there, I was like, yeah, Michigan screwed. They're not, they're not winning this game. So, you know, uh, you know, other than the obvious uh, athleticism advantages, what is Nicobe Dean? What is Nicobe Dean going to bring to the team that's going to draft him? Where is his best fit? Yeah, I think Nicobe Dean is a very instinctive player, uh, and he's his impact is because he reacts really quickly. He changes direction really quickly. He finds the football very effectively. Admittedly, and I know this is going to sound rough to come on a Georgia podcast and and talk <laughs> about these two linebackers, but I'm not that high on on either. Uh, Quay Walker or Nakobe Dean, but the thing that that is just tough with me with Nakobe Dean is that he's small, yeah. he's short, he's under six feet, and like the last time we had a guy like that was Devin Bush, and he was good for like a little bit at the beginning of his career, but hasn't been entirely healthy. And I, I see Nakobe Dean like I don't know if he's as fast as we really think he is. I think that the way he tracks the football so well is because of those instincts, because his change of direction skills is really really good. And I, I almost just worry when he's not playing on a defensive line with all of those guys, how is he going to do if he's not getting all that extra time and room uh, because they're taking up so much space, so much attention? That's the thing that worries me a little bit with the Kobe Dean. So for him, he needs to go somewhere that has an established defensive line and probably similar to what benefited him in his time at Georgia in this last year, probably an established uh, linebacker will backer. That's already there that he can play next to uh, because he needs to benefit from everything working around him. Quay Walker, on the other hand, though, I think is, is a little bit more the opposite where his instincts can be a bit hit or miss. He's a really good athlete. He flies all over the field, but those instincts to me, I think need to be worked on a little bit more 
Uh, and sometimes guys like Quay Walker, it's tough to really coach guys up on that if they're if they're not reacting properly and they can't figure it out. Yeah, um, Nakobe is is a very smart player. You can tell, um, like you said, Cora, with, with that one play, you can tell there's a lot of film, film study with that. Mm. Um, so that tells me right now that he watches film, he studies, um, he knows what they're going to do, how they're going to do it, when they're going to do it. Um, and to your point, Joe, him being undersized, I mean, what's the best way to uh, get better and to play is to watch film. Um, so Nakobe Dean's going to do that. Um, and I think that's going to be to his benefit because he is undersized. Um, According, I mean, up to most to most linebackers in this draft. So, uh, Quay Walker, on the other hand, his athleticism is what's going to get him. Um, you know, he's a very instinctive player, but like you said, his instincts are slow. Um, he does cover a lot better. Um, he's he's the harder hitter, in my opinion. Um, he's definitely the most athletic one out of the two. So, mm-hmm. I'm looking at him being maybe late second, third round guy. Um, I think, like you said. The game has evolved in the NFL. I mean, linebackers are, are dropping in coverage now, um, not as opposed to just stopping the run. So that's what they're looking for. If Kobe D can do that, he studies. I think he'll be taken definitely, you know, before Quay. But I think Quay is, is at least, you know, late second, maybe middle of third uh, round type linebacker. Yeah, I think I think he makes an immediate impact on special teams, and I think he gets into a rotation. I, you know. To me, I, I think with with his with his instincts and his athleticism matched up the way they are. I mean, a, a name that I thought got got uh, under draft was uh, was Tay Crowder, uh, a guy that has been in the lineup for the Giants. I, I think he's a uber athletic, but you know he lacked instincts, and I think that's what killed him in the in the draft. But he came in, learned, watched film, and, and just became a pro and. And I, th- I think has done quite well for, for the giants. I, I kind of see something similar with that uh, to Quay Walker and Quay Walker is a more athletic version of Crowder. Yeah, and Crowder yeah. has been like a special teams ace for mm-hmm. the giants. Like I, I I'm a giants fan and I used to cover the giants for SB nation for a period of time. And I, like, I always thought that he was a really, really nice special teams player and he's a pretty good coverage linebacker, but what kind of hurt him was, like you're talking about, he's not as athletic and his instincts weren't as good. So like Quay Walker, I think what's going to push him up definitely is that, that athleticism. Again, it's just, if, if you can coach him up and you can get him to figure that stuff out and get that, that decision-making to, to improve in that speed, that's, what's going to make him a great pro. Uh, and I definitely agree with you, Israel. I think he's a day two guy. He's somewhere going on day two. He fits amongst the the top five in the linebacker group, but it's just a matter of of what teams are looking for. Mm-hmm. And I think he's got to go to an established established program. Um, you know, somebody that that's really good on defense. You know, Tennessee, uh, you know, Kansas City, uh, the Rams. You know, somewhere like that, maybe Denver, uh, Seattle, somewhere that can you know has good defensive. Uh, pedigree that can that can kind of build him along and uh could use the help with special teams and just kind of year one special teams ace is the goal year two you start to get in the lineup as a linebacker and then year three you're a starter you know into year two into year three uh you're you're a starter so i think that's i i, I see that kind of path for uh for quay walker and uh nicobe dean 
Again, I just think he's gonna he's gonna be successful at Israel. You hit the nail on the head, I think, there because he's just gonna know where to be, uh, and he'll get stronger. Um, you know, obviously he's not gonna grow vertically, but he'll he'll get stronger. He will be he'll just be there. You know, and yeah. he's just sheer determination, and and he'll just be there. And you know, he would be hell on a team like the Rams, where you have established guys in front of you. Um, and and I think you're I think you're right on with with that as well. I think he benefits with having that protection. I I think if these big, athletic, huge guards can get up on him, they're they'll they'll swallow him up. Uh, but he, he he's got to be you know his athleticism and his you know just his instincts. I think just knowing how to, how to set up these these linemen and and how these blocking teams work uh, week to week. I, I think that'll that'll serve him really really well. So. Uh, I want to talk a little bit now on the offensive side of the ball. You have uh, you have three guys that really jump out uh, on the page: George Pickens, uh, James Cook, and Zamir White. You know, th- you look at those three guys. Obviously, Pickens is the one who jumps off the page, uh, being a dynamic wide receiver. He's he kind of fits in that five to seven range when you when you list the top ten receivers. Uh, what, what do you you know? How do you see Pickens? What do you see? Uh, him doing in the NFL? Where do you see him going? Uh, what, what's uh, what's up with George Pickens? Yeah, George Pickens, a really, really nice athlete, tall, long, fast receiver. There was a lot of hype built up for Christian Watson after he tested as well as he did mm-hmm. and very similar physical profile. Um, maybe not as flexible as Christian Watson was in, in what we saw from him at the senior bowl, but like heck, I, I think that Pickens deserves to be in that in that conversation as one of the early guys selected in the second round. And I agree with you in that he's like the sixth guy on the list, the guy that just doesn't make the cut in the top five of the receiver group. And there's probably going to be a, res- a run on receivers in the first round once Drake London and Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jamison Williams end up getting selected that's when a team early on in the second round is going to snag up George Pickens. And I, I really like the value that he provides. If somebody wants to over overdraft Christian Watson, who I'm, I'm very high on. I think Christian Watson is going to be a great pro based on what we've seen from him. Uh, you can kind of get a, a, a just as good version. Maybe it's like a slight step down, not by much uh, with George Pickens. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just so my, my thing is, is he, he's going to have to go to a team that has an established receiver room right. of mature receivers, because we all know what, what he can get into. <laughs> yes. You know. um, One of the things but, he tested you know, really well was slamming somebody's head into a wall. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's a great kid, but you gotta understand he's still a kid. So mm-hmm. um, if it's me, if I'm a GM, I'm looking for, for somebody, you know, who has a, as an established receiver room somewhere like I think Tennessee would be good. Um, Kansas city would be good. Just somewhere where he can, learn from some older guys who's been in it um you know just just from he was out ha- half the year this year um had that little run in a couple years ago um with like at like Georgia Tech and things like that so he's gonna have to go somewhere where he can mature a little bit more um because we all know how the NFL is there there's nobody really holding your hand for in the NFL you know you're making more than God can give anybody now and you're, and you're by yourself so mm-hmm. having some older guys in that room with you um, that can kind of show you, hey, man, this is how we do things, this is how you do it. You know, I'm not opposed to you having fun, but, you know, this is how we got to handle our business so we keep getting paid. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? So, 
Yeah, he can't be doing, doing that. He's dumb definitely going to have to go to a team that's got some some great veteran leadership. Now, his ACL recovery uh, has that impacted his his testing or his his pre draft prospect or his pre draft process? I don't think so because he he came out of the the recovery to the point where he participated a little bit at the end of the season, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. So he's recovered. He's not like Jamison Williams, who is still in his recovery process. And he obviously tore it in the national championship game. He seems fine. I think the testing numbers that we got from him are pretty accurate. Like a, like a guy right now who's dealing with an injury who I got the chance to talk to Isaiah likely the coastal Carolina tight end. And he was saying that he injured his knee <clears throat> right at the end of the season, at the beginning of his, uh, his prep for the combine and like that stuff hurt his numbers. But I, I think that that George Pickens is, is far along in his recovery. So I don't think teams are going to be worried about that. We got to see him a little bit and I think he, I think he should be good. Okay. Yeah. I know sometimes that, that can kind of cloud your uh, judgment as far as, you know, what you see out of him uh, and, and kind of where he falls in, in, in the list of receivers. Maybe teams are wary of picking him because of injury concerns. So, you know, that's just something that, that popped into mind, but, uh, Zamir white, James cook, obviously James cook is, is probably got the better, uh, pro tools. Uh, what, what about James cook is, is going to uh, help him at the, at the next level? Yeah. James cook is, is kind of like a, a, a Dalvin cook light who's his brother. Mm-hmm. Cause they look very similar and like similar build, but he's like, uh, James cooks like a little bit smaller, I think what you get with James cook, that's different than Dalvin Dalvin's really, really quick. He's got good vision. He cuts really well and he's very, very explosive and he's one of the best running backs in the NFL for a reason. You don't have that same level of explosiveness with James cook. He's capable of it. He's not big enough to, to really knock anyone over, but what's going to make him a, a nice ad in the NFL for a team that maybe already has a number one running back or somebody that they want to pair with him is he's a really good receiver. He is going to provide you those extra yards coming out of the backfield. And that to me, I think is what is going to help James cook, maybe get drafted over some of these other guys because of that receiving value. And it's talked about to death these days with you need running backs. You can catch the football and provide value in, in, in the passing game. And I, I think cook definitely fits that. And we saw that exactly that in the final stretch of the season. Most definitely. He's very Alvin Kamara like in the, in the NFL. Um, I think he, he possesses some of the same tools uh, that makes Alvin so good. Um, Alvin can run the ball in between the tackles if he needs to. Uh, you can flex him out, um, throw him screens and things like that. So I think that's kind of the, the skill set that that Cook is going to bring, you know, for himself. And like you said, you know, we all know Zeus is going to go one way and that's straight ahead. So, I mean, you know, yeah. have, having the ability to catch the ball at the backfield, um, you know, being able to flex out and do some things um, outside the tackle box with the football, you know, is going to be uh, Cook's bread and butter. And whichever team gets him is going to get a versatile back. Um, you know, you see it now. Pittsburgh tried to use Najee Harris the same way. Um, they have a very similar skill set. Um, so he's not going to bruise it. You know, you can't run him mm-hmm. 30 times up the middle. No, like, like no. they're the they're hearers of the world, but you know, you right. can you can do a lot of things. Um, you, you can open up your playbook a little bit more and you know, keep the same personnel in without having to change the running back. You know, what team I see, Joe, uh, and and you know, 
feel free to call me crazy, but I, I envision James Cook on the Bills. They're in I an empty, totally see that. They're in an empty formation. Uh, you got them split out away from Stefan Diggs. So you got all the attention on, you know, you get Diggs and Gabriel Davis on the same side. You get all the attention over there. And all of a sudden James Cook is matched up with a linebacker and Josh Allen throws a frozen rope uh, over the, to him. The only thing that deters me from that, because that I 1000% agree with, they value that type of a running back. The only thing that deters me from him getting picked by Buffalo unless he like really falls is that they just signed JD McKissick and he kind of fits that role already. He's a really, really good receiver, but I mean, heck that might be another good parallel is, is the impact that JD McKissick provides, which is as a really, really good receiver. Uh, so for a team that wants that from cook, you're definitely going to get that. Or maybe he, maybe he joins big brother up in uh, Minnesota. I mean, they, they yeah. have a different philosophy now. So, you know, Kirk cousins could use another weapon and you, mm-hmm. you definitely could put those two guys on the field at the same time. That would be a really funny pairing to see. I, I would I, love I, that. I, I can't think of the last time we've had, or if that's even ever happened two running back brothers in the same running back room. Well, if uh, Frank Gore comes back to the chiefs, you could have a father son running back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's never going to retire. It seems like sometimes he's 60 years old and he's going to be lined up back there. So exactly. Is really anything on your mind as far as the draft goes? I mean, I know, I know we're probably curious about what, what Zamir white's going to bring to the table, but anything on your mind, man, I'm just excited to see, you know, kind of where our guys land. I think this is, in my opinion, I think this draft is more defensive loaded. I mean, you got the cat from Michigan, um, even though, um, you know, one kind of hurt himself. I think he tore his Achilles, you know, at the combine, at their, um, their pro day. Um, I think this is a very defensive loaded draft. Um, I think this is what teams are going to be looking for defensive guys. Um, and in the scale group, I think it's a very receiver group loaded. You know, there's not many quarterbacks coming out this year, um, that I've seen that's kind of like, wow, like this is, this is a guy. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I'm just excited to kind of see this is the first time as an offensive minded guy that I'm excited to see where these defensive guys end up. Cause I actually watched the NFL last year and I actually enjoyed it, which is mm-hmm. scary because I never watched the NFL unless <laughs> Dallas is playing. Yeah. It's, it, it's, pre- I watched more NFL football, uh, not related to my dynasty teams, uh, more so than, than, than ever, just cause I was just curious at how how teams were, uh, were, were looking on that. So Joe, I, I'm, I'm curious what you think. And this is, you know, this is obviously off topic when it comes to uh, the Georgia Bulldogs because uh, Stetson Bennett is not in this draft, but uh, quarterback wise, you know, who, what do you, what do you think is, is going to happen there? Who's the first to go? Where do they go? Oh man, that is, that is the hot topic right now is the quarterbacks. And it's just, it's something that I don't want to touch with like a 10 foot pole because of the, <laughs> it, it, whoever goes first. I don't think I really just don't know if any of these guys are going to be good. I, I at least like Malik Willis because he has the traits mm-hmm. to be good. Like Jordan love was drafted in the first round and we're still waiting for him to, to progress. And he's still like probably a year away. And I think Malik Willis is going to be a two, three year away guy, but man, the, none of these other guys excite me. And I, I think if anyone goes first, it should be Malik Willis. There's the possibility that someone gets duped into drafting Kenny Pickett mm-hmm. earlier. I think that's going to be the Panthers. Yeah, I, I keep I keep hearing and seeing Panthers, which is really scary that that's, that's their solution to win now. But that's fine by me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it clears up a lot of a lot of offensive lineman picks for some other teams if yeah. if if 
they decide to pass on an offensive lineman and they want to go with Kenny Pickett. But the one thing to keep an eye on is that possibility that Desmond Ritter ends up in the first round. There is some buzz building for that. Mm-hmm. Talk to some people. And I, I had Connor Rogers on my show today and he, we were talking about that and he, he thinks that there's a strong possibility that Desmond Ritter's the third guy off the board because of the boxes that he checks yeah, four, big, years at, four years at big, Cincinnati. Powerful arm, yeah. yeah. Great athlete, but just not consistently accurate. No. If and, I'm the Falcons, I'm trying to trade up and get Malik. I'm telling yeah. you right now. I mean, you might not have to trade up. Yeah. There's going to be so many defensive oh. linemen and offensive linemen being taken and receivers. So you might not have to do anything because Carolina's going to probably do you a favor by taking Kenny Pickett. So, yeah. I know, right? Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's that's a terrible a, idea. So, uh, so Joe, terrible before idea. we let you go, um, your Giants, what what are they doing? Are they trading Saquon? What are they drafting? What what's 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 happening with the Giants? It it doesn't man, the Saquon thing just stresses me out so much because like he should have been traded like forever ago. But and I love Saquon. I was so excited when they drafted him, but just the misuse of him is just so yes. infuriating. If they keep him, I and think he, that he could be good. He gets hurt sure. in the most random ways, too. Uh, like it's like right. Like what ha- nobody touched him. What happened? It's, yeah, it's like one of those things where he's so athletic. It's just like his body can't move as quickly as, as he wants to. Sometimes it's, it's, it's weird. And um, then they just, they just no help. Yo, no, no help whatsoever. Honestly, if both those picks are offensive linemen, I would come out happy. Uh, I think I, I really believe what's going to end up happening. It's going to be a lineman and one of the edge rushers. I think after the nonsense, we watched Dave Gettleman go through with his selections they they really need to uh, to be a little bit more conservative and pick best available lineman who's on the board, pick best available edge rusher on the board. Don't overthink it, and you come out a winner on the draft. And and let's go. And the Titans, what uh, you know, my my hometown team up here. What do they do? They draft a developmental quarterback. What 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 happens there? See, that was one of the teams that I saw the the potential Desmond Ritter rumor for was, do they take him at the end of the first round? Uh, it's not, which, not a bad deal. I mean, he can learn under Tannehill for two years and yeah, to be your backup. Do you yeah. really want to, do you really want to draft a backup in the first round? No, not at all. I, well, when <laughs> right. you need so much other stuff, I mean, uh-huh. if you can, if you can get him, if you can get a valuable backup in the second, third round, do it. Yeah, I think that that first round pick, though, like if they got Traylon Burks and the possibility that they might trade AJ Brown because they don't want to pay him as much as he's asking for, that that's a instant replacement. Similar styles, yeah. similar yep. impact. So AJ Brown or uh, uh, Traylon Burks would be a really nice replacement for him. Or Heck would play nice alongside him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, well, Joe, um, it was great to have you, man. Um, yeah, we, sh- we should do this more often. Uh, we'll. Uh, we might have you on to, uh, to discuss post-draft, you know, kind of what you think we'll, we'll be in that, uh, we'll be in that window of not much to talk about, uh, otherwise. So we'll, uh, we'll get into some post-draft analysis. I always yeah. love me some post-draft analysis. So can't, can't get enough of that stuff. So of course, um, but we thank you for, for coming on guys, check out, check out his podcast, believe in FCS football, believe in NFL draft prospects podcast and, uh, give, give him a shout. Thanks guys for having me on. Enjoy the rest of the show. Sure, man. All right, Joe. So Joe DeLeon, uh, man, great guest, man. He's, he's just does his homework, man.
You got to. I mean, the talk about NFL. Like I said, I just started watching NFL outside of my Dallas Cowboys this year. So, I mean, to know exactly what's going on to be in the know, I mean, shoot, that takes that takes talent to be able to do that. It does, and and he he jumps to FCS football after that. I mean, that's just that's even more talent. That's even more exactly. deep research you have to do. So. uh yeah, it's it's great, man. And uh, you know, he, he's uh, if you listen early on, he was one of my one of my first guests uh, back in 2020. So that was uh, that was a lot of fun just getting to know him. And you know, I originally had him on to do uh, to talk about one of Georgia's FCS opponents, and we ended up talking about draft prospects too. So um, and guys to look for. So he, he's he's a good guest, man, and we uh, we like having him. Man, it's good stuff right there, especially with NFL stuff. I mean, that's a hard, that's a hard deal to keep up with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so many prospects and so many people and so many. It's just so much like numbers. Like you get paralyzed yeah. by numbers. You know, draft grade on this, combine numbers on that, pro day numbers. You know, what what are? Yeah. God, you just get. I don't envy. I don't envy NFL scouts. It'd be a cool job, but. A lot of numbers. Lots even, of numbers. I don't even remember phone numbers, so I definitely forget <laughs> people's people's yeah. that um, combine numbers. Yeah. Oh yeah, that guy that guy had a 10, 10 12. That guy had a had a thirteen inch or is it feet in the broad I don't even know what the measurement is in broad jump. See? See, see what I mean? I, I can't even make a joke because I don't even know the I don't even know the measurements. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really good. But uh, I've, I've been, you know, I've been into these like YouTube documentaries that these NFL teams put out. Like I'm in no shape or form a lions fan, but they have this series called inside the den. It's pretty good. Actually, they do a good job with that. And, you know, building the Browns, you know, they have like one, one jets drive or something like that, or the flight or something like that with the jets. And, you know, a lot of these NFL teams are doing these these docu-series on their, on their, on their respective YouTube channels. The Cowboys don't have one, of course, and uh, the Titans don't have one, of course, but uh, you have all the, you know, like Florida state has one, you know, Florida has one, you know, they, they all have them. They all have these docu-series things and, and they're all, you know, I get kind of immersed in those things and uh, the lions coach the senior bowl. So mm-hmm. They they coached the senior bowl team, so that was that was a that was a nice look. That was Deuce Daly's uh, head coaching debut. He was the head coach of the one of the teams in the senior bowl. Deuce, Deuce. So, so Israel, if you're ever uh, you're not really a classroom teacher, so your planning period is spent doing doing other things. But if you ever get a chance to fall into a YouTube wormhole, you know, definitely during my planning period when I'm grading in my classroom, I'll have I'll have one screen on because I have I have like a desktop at school and then I have this laptop that I'm working on right now. And mm. so I'll I'll have one one screen on one of those things on YouTube because you know Netflix doesn't work at my school. And I'll have another screen doing my work. So we get all, we get all the first channels at my school. Yeah, you're so lucky, dude. You get Netflix, <laughs> Prime. Like but I can't least, get any of that stuff. But at least you have a planning period. I don't have one. Oh yeah, I got two. Well, I got one one each day. Um, but so I'll say this: the worst, the weakest planning period on a block schedule is second, second block. 
Because yeah. like third period is where it's set because it's right after lunch. No, I have it. I have a on a days. I have fourth period, four, which four, yeah, which is which is our lunch block. So like I can like run oh out. okay, and our lunch block is two hours long. What time do y'all eat? Jesus. Well, you have three lunches in there, so like the kids have like thirty oh, minute lunches. Yeah. So people gotcha. that don't have fourth block planning, you know, they have hour and a half of class and then the thirty minute lunch. So, uh, but me, I can, you know, on a days, if I want to go get something, I just roll out and Chick-fil-A is right around the corner. Firehouse is right there. Blue coast burrito. Uh, hit it with that holla holla. Yep. I'll see y'all later. Hit them deuces. I I can go to Chick-fil-A and come back without them even knowing. I mean, no, I don't go anywhere. If my principal's listening, which he may be. (laughs) So. And I don't go anywhere. What are you talking about? But uh, anyway, uh, G Day. What do you want? Do you want to? G Day's this weekend. Snuck up on us. Man, I, I, it definitely did. You know, I watched all the Masters last week. Um, almost forgot that G Day was this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see kind of what Carson Betts going to do. We all know Stets is the guy. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm no kind of getting that, over the whole, the whole, why are people doubting Stets has been it? Yeah, well, those people go playing traffic blind. Um, if you, if you're not no a believer in Stetson, by any means, yeah. If you're if you <laughs> if you're not a Stetson believer now, I, you just you're you're just a hater, regardless. Like, you hate I mean, from day one, probably. Just, the guy just won national championship. He's coming back. I mean, it is what it is at this point. But I'm I'm mm-hmm. excited to see Carson Beck. Um, kind of see what uh, Vandergrift's going to do. Um, I think Understock is there early too, so I'm kind of excited to see mm-hmm. what he's going to do as well. So. The main person I'm excited to see is Carson Beck simply because, you know, I think he's kind of, I think he's matured a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think he's grown a little bit. So um, I kind of want to see exactly, we didn't really get to see him, you know, throughout this whole process, you know, since he's been there. So I'm kind of excited to see, you know, how much he's grown um, and, and yeah, can he spin it? Because obviously he can because uh, Pickens wanted him to throw him the ball during birthday. Yeah, I mean he's got the he's got the physical tools to to spin it. It's just a matter of you know where he fits in in Todd Munkin's offense. I mean, I, you know, I, I think the 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 competition for the backup job is like razor's edge thin uh, between Vandegrift and Beck. I mean, I think they bring both bring a lot of dynamic tools to the table as far as doing things with their arm and their feet. Um, it's just a matter of I, I think right now where Carson has the advantages he's digested the system a little bit better than Vandegrift has. He, he's kind of, you know, been the guy that that's learned and picked up the most. And I'm sure he's picked Stetson's brain and JT's brain when, when he was still there and oh, JT's going to West Virginia, by the way, but um, that's kind of where I think the advantage lies. But if Vandegrift can overcome that, this battle is going to go well into fall camp, which means, oh, yeah. um, you know, and I think Gunnar Stockton's gonna, you know, like Vandegrift, comes from a system where he was just kind of the guy, and and he kind of just knew it. So there's there's an adjustment uh, period for that. I mean, I don't think you know, coming from Rabin County into the SEC, I I don't I, I don't know that you can really quite jump in there with the speed of the game as as fast as it is. So you know, just like Vandegrift, there's an adjustment period. I think that's over for Brock. It's just now getting started for Gunner. So I think Gunner's a year away, mm-hmm. but I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm curious. 
Cause you know, Stetson yeah. will get Stetson will get his, his run out of, you know, a series or two, but it'll be mostly the Carson Beck, Brock Vandegrift show uh, in G day, which I hope people don't take that and run with it going, Oh, Carson Beck should be the starter. He looked good in G day. I, I just think it, you know, obviously Stetson's a guy, but I'm excited to see kind of how they handle reps with the ones. I'm kind of seeing how comfortable they are in the pocket, how much command they have with, uh, with the football. <clears throat> That's it. I, I think, you know, Gunnar Stockton kind of saw it. You know, the SEC is kind of like playing Thomasville every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we saw what happened against Thomasville. I was there. I saw it in person. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. So, um, but yeah, I mean, just seeing those guys kind of develop, I'm excited to see. Um, I meant to shoot you this the other day. I saw an article on BMAC just talking about, you know, just his presence being there, how much better that group's gotten already. Not that mm-hmm. Coach Hankin was doing a bad job because he was not. Um, those guys were prepared. They were ready to play. They were playmakers as well. He just came in during a time where there was a lot of injuries. So we never really got to see the full potential of that group, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but right now with BMAC coming in, uh, we pretty much came out healthy. Um, so far, knock on wood, that everything goes fine. Um, between today and Saturday, um, you know, so I'm excited to Blaylock back. Uh, you got Jackson, um, you got Mitchell, McConk, I mean, you got so many weapons in that room, um, you know, and BMAT's kind of taking the reins and, and done a great job with that group. I'm excited to see the offensive line, um, even though we got some news this week about Mims. And let me just say this, mm. okay, like, let me tell you something about a five-star lineman, okay? Five-star linemen want to play football. I get it. I understand. But here's also the thing about five-star linemen. If you're that good, then you should take the position away from the person in front of you. My my whole deal is it's all about competing. It's, it's competition. You know what I mean? If you don't want to compete, then why go to a big school and then transfer out? That's my thing. If you're going to compete and you want to play at the top level, mm-hmm. which Georgia is the top level, compete and take his job but it's real simple i don't think this was about playing time i don't either i don't think the more and, and more i keep I, reading I, I don't think him and searles were jiving i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt that whatsoever because from my understanding and like i said this mm-hmm. is just hearsay this is it's you know but he strikes me as a young man that is good he doesn't know how good he can be, you know, but he thinks he's the man, which is mm-hmm. okay. I mean, that's called self-esteem. I think I'm the man every day. Yeah. You know? I'll wake up, yeah. But, but it, it's, it all comes down to when you're being pushed because everybody needs that push. If you're being pushed, do you wake up and say, Oh, okay. I got, you know, I got to press on, you know, or mm-hmm. are you like, shut up, man, get off my back. You know, what, what response are you having if, if somebody pushes you? He seems Regardless to be the, of the style. get off my back kind of guy. Yeah. You know, and I, he's a good kid. I, I, you know, I've, I've met him um, one time. Um, seems like a good kid, you know, and everything mm-hmm. like that. But, you know, it's hard when you're, when you're that young to understand it. But, you know, when you get older, you know, you start to understand it. And, and not to say that, you know, if he does transfer wherever he goes, he does a great job. And, you know, his, all his dreams come true. I'm here you know, in Florida at the State. same time. Yeah, and I heard Miami. Yeah. Later on, you know what I mean? So it's it's just one of those things where, you know, you go to Georgia to compete, and I hear Kirby say about it, saying this all the time, what's the result? 
the result is that you got beat out. Now what are you going to do? You're going to take your tail and run, you know, he got my beat opinion, out halfway I'm, through spring practice. <laughs> yeah. There's still fall practice. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I, I just, you know, again, I, I find the whole, you know, he's mad cause he got beat out. He didn't get beat out. He just, he probably made a few mistakes. Didn't like the way coach Searles was talking to him. And that was it. That's college though. I mean, nobody's well, no, going. I, that, I, I get it. You're lucky that you didn't grow up around John Fabris because he probably would have. If John Fabris coaching right now, people would quit and hit a transfer portal left and right. Mm-hmm. And I love Coach Fab. Oh, Fab love is Fab is phenomenal. Great guy. You know, but the way that the world is now and, and these these kids are today, you know, it's all about the social media and all that stuff. You know, which I get. About likes, um, but at, they get likes. But at the same, that same time, I mean, I'm trying to play football. Yeah, you know, that, that's what I want to do. And, and it's a generational thing, Israel. And you, you see it probably just as much as I do. You have, and I think that's why when when we kick kids in the ass occasionally, uh, with love, apparently with love, obviously. But uh, when, when we're when we're you know when we're getting after a kid you know, they, they don't respond because it's never really happened to him. And I, yeah. I don't, I don't see Mary Spims getting yelled at at all before he stepped foot at Georgia because people are probably patting him on the back, which, I mean, he's a great kid, but it's just the nature of probably the nature of how he came through school. I mean, you, you're being constantly fed that and no one's pushing you to think beyond that and say, okay, yes, I'm a great player. Yes, I have all these tools. Yes, I can play in the SEC. But nobody's pushing him to continue that. Until he got to college. Until he got to college. And, it's too and he late. had to learn the hard way. And you <laughs> he learned, exactly had to learn the hard way. And you learn the hard way. And, he's saying, and, and, and instead of dusting himself off, he's just like, oh, this ain't for me. I'm yeah. I'm going I'm going down somewhere else, you know. The, the this the whole grass is greener thing, and you know, may, may, maybe him and Searles were were oil and water, and, and maybe it is maybe it is good for him. I mean, ultimately, if he's happy and he succeeds, great, right? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not here to bash a Mary Smims. I'm just here to kind of say that that's kind of how I see it happening, because. Yes. Uh, it's a generational thing. I see it every day yeah. where I'm at, and I'm sure you do too. And As all your coach, and all of our know. friends and colleagues, you know, mm-hmm. we all share we all share the war stories, you know, of uh, uh, the all the coaching stories of dealing with all different types of kids. So, I mean, it's 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 not a shock. That's that's probably likely what happened. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, he would love to be number one on the depth chart. I'm sure that factored into it, but the fact that he was not number one on the you know, the initial spring depth chart where, you know, coach Searles is just trying to get used to everybody. He got outplayed in the beginning. Didn't like it. Yeah, It's a, it's a mindset, you know, and, and we see it all the time, you know, as coaches, um, you know, so I speak, we, I speak on this as, from a coaching perspective, you yeah, know, so times, time, times got hard and, and he decided to run. Um, that's just, that's what it looks like to me. You got times got hard and you decided to run. Um, you know, because, you know, the, the competition factor was just a little bit too much. And that's okay. You know, I, I hope he goes somewhere and he, and he does very well. I never wish bad on a young man. I, I'm glad there's a transfer portal. 
Um, but just the way that it, it's happened, just everything that's come out, it just seems like you got beat and you ran. Yep. You know, so that, that's that's I mean, perception. Is that going to be reality? Just, I don't know. I don't know, but you know, I hate it because we that we're, we're real thin now. You know, Coach Bobo's son might even have to come in and play a couple reps or two now. Yeah, off the rip. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so you know, forget you know, easy to men now. Big doll going out there, little Bobo. Yeah, let's go to work. <laughs> going out there, get that work, man. So yeah, I I don't know, man. It's like whatever, but. I'm interested to kind of see who those guys are. I mean, Clay Webb is also another guy who's where's he going to go? Why is he leaving yeah. again? Probably, probably same thing, but we'll be fine. We've signed a lot of guys. We'll be fine. Mm-hmm. We, we, we'll be fine. Not we worried signed about a lot it. Of guys and it just sucks. You know, like when you're your top guy who you're, who we were just talking about like two weeks ago, you know, just like, nah, I'm out. That was the head so scratcher. abruptly, so yeah. abruptly too. I know. It's just I'm, I'm, I I click on I click on UJ Sports. I see a tweet from Roddy, right? And then I go click on UJ Sports, and I see Dash confirming it. And I'm like, okay, this is for real. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I was hoping that Roddy was just like retweeting some like ridiculous rumor. Then I went, this is not fake news, and it got confirmed by Dash, and I was like, do that. Well, damn. <laughs> like it is what it is. It is what it is, man. Um, but I'm I'm excited to also see uh you, you talked about the receiver room as a whole. I'll get a little bit more specific. I'm interested to see Don Blaylock and Kiris Jackson. I, I'm interested mm-hmm. to see how they are holding up. I mean, I, I think we're you know, we're past year one of their recovery. I, I think they're finally going to be back to what we know that they can be um, mm-hmm. physically, you know, and you'd hope that there's not, you know, there, there's not rust on there, but, you know, I think it's, uh, that's going to be interesting. Jackson Meeks is somebody I'm, I'm intrigued by denial on more set. Uh, those, those are some, some newcomers onto the scene that have been making some plays in these scrimmages, uh, of course, A.D. Mitchell, I think, is going to, you know, if he hadn't already broken out, I think he's going to break out for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that kid, man. It's He, he kind of took his lumps at the beginning of the season um, after having a really strong spring uh, yep. when he get, when he came in. You know, he, he came in early. Um, he was our surprise guy um, last year, you know. So for him to come and do what he's done and continue to progress the way that he's done, I mean, yeah. I'm excited to see that guy. I'm excited to see our secondary. I'm, I'm excited to see how Nylon Green's doing. I'm, I'm ready for that kid. I've seen the kid play yes, in person. We, I'm we ready have, to see him burst on the Yes, city. we have gone on and on and on about Nylon Nylon Green. Now it's time for him to. This this is his this is his time. It's a thin secondary. There's there's opportunity there. Now he's got to go take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Even if it's to the point of you know going to play safety. You can roll down. You like to hit. You know, I've, I've seen him hit. You know, he, he loves contact. He's not afraid of it. So um, I'm, I'm kind of ready for him to burst onto the scene. We're up front seven. We're going to be good. Right. I mean, exactly. I'm, I'm just want to see those guys just not hurt anybody on Saturday. It's what, no, that's all you say to those guys. Just don't hurt yeah. anybody on Saturday. Um, the running back group is going to be great. Uh, we've got three good ones back there. 
Yeah, um, and then, then of course you'll, so, you'll have Branson Robinson coming in. So I mean, mm-hmm. he's not an early enrollee, but he'll he'll be coming in. He'll add some depth to that room. Denial uh, to Nylon Morset. Uh, Dylan Edwards is, I mean, to to say that he's surprising, he doesn't surprise me, and mm-hmm. I, I I know he doesn't surprise you. I mean, you 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 know him even more so because he's uh, he was a standout at Colquitt, you know, down down mm-hmm. in your area. But um, I, I just you just watch him run and, and, and you think, I, I mean, I, I think Elijah Holyfield immediately yes. when I see him run. Um, a toad rush. And, and, and when he more, was in the eighth grade, that he was yeah. going to start. Yeah. A toad rush. I said, rush that boy. It was going to start for you for all four years. Rush, ah, yeah, it'd be, it'd be all right. Yeah. He started all four years. <laughs> that culprit. Yeah. Old Rush, that's a, that's a name drop right there. <laughs> What's Old Rush up to these days? That's my guy still, man. He, he's a, still a phenomenal coach. Yeah, um, Questionable decision-making that time, but he's still a dang good coach. I think he's in Alabama now. Okay. Um, just kind of just chilling. He's waiting on um, the board to graduate and everything down there. So trust mm-hmm. me, he'll be back on the scene real soon. You want to talk about somebody whose ego is not their amigo? It's uh, rush probes. Um, gets him, gets him into some some sticky situations. Um, but yeah, I mean, I you know, I I think a very underrated skill that a lot of these defensive players have is the ability to fly around, make a play, but not really like you, you know they they could deliver the kill shot, uh, but they don't. Yes. Like, Clay Walker does that I, a lot. I don't I don't know if I've I don't know if I've described that properly. Um but like they get to the ball in a hurry and it and you know they just at the very last second you, you can see that they explode into them and then they just kind of hit them in a way that you know you're like, oh wow. And then but it's not like it's not like a you know what it would be in a game where they would just obliterate the guy. Yeah. That's that's a very underrated skill. I, I've, I've always been impressed by that, but um, yeah, some early enrollees that, you know, again, we talked about offensive linemen. Ernest green is an early enrollee as well. Um, well, <laughs> Ernest <laughs> might be seeing some early playing time there, bub. Yep. Real fast. Real fast. And then you got Ja'Cory Thomas and Malachi Starks uh as DBs. Those are some guys that could that could uh that can do some things. Jalen Walker, I think, has a really good opportunity at linebacker, and Michael Williams has really good opportunity at defensive end. So uh you know, these defensive front guys, if they this is this is their year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is their year for sure. Most definitely. You know, one thing we didn't mention about this draft is the fact that you know they always try to say that. Kirby Smart does develop players. We graded the highest of dang near Ugh. every player that was in the combine. Just, just FYI. So clearly, the football no, smarts no Israel. are there. Israel, you're all. See, we talked about those numbers. They're all wrong. Kirby Smart is the worst. We should just, we should just hire Orgeron. It's obviously he's better. He's available. Dude, he's available. living the dream. He's visiting colleges. He's his, his son's an analyst at, at Miami now. Like he, he's somebody that he's going to enjoy that buyout money. Man, I'm trying to go hang out with him. I know. Go to Cabo, man. Go to, I mean, 
you you won't you won't have a bad time. Absolutely can, not. That dude can party. Just don't I'm piss him Coach off. O. Yeah. We should exactly. hire Coach O as an analyst. Start the Kirby Smart uh, coaching rehab program. <laughs> That'd be interesting. We uh, got Eric, a couple in there already. We do. <laughs> Muschamp just got out. He, yeah, he, he just got released. <laughs> um, we got but, we got Buster. So we I got mean, Buster. We got guys there. I mean, he's not really in the rehab program. He's just in in the uh, you know the 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 doctorate course, I guess. <laughs> he's about to, he's about to graduate. Yeah, he's about to graduate. Um, but uh, you know, going back on much champ, the more and more I watched the, the national championship and kind of thought about what his defenses looked like throughout his career, the more I saw the influence that he had in that national title game. Because it looked different. I think him and him and uh him Coach Lynn. Yeah. Shoot. How do you say I'm gonna make sure I say his last name right. I guess Schumer. I guess Schumann. Schumann. yeah, I think it's Schumann. Yeah, I just I always want to make sure I say say names right and stuff. I think they did a phenomenal job of getting that defense ready. Um keeping with the scheme they had and adding a little bit to it. Um they their added zone their, coverages their twist were, to it, were definitely yeah. Definitely must champ zone coverages. That's yeah. for sure. Our, our, our coverage techniques were good. Our, our positioning, our communication was a lot better. Just leads me to believe that Lanning's not really much of a zone guy, which and there's no, nothing wrong with that. But Nothing wrong you know, with that. Um, it just, anytime we try to go zone coverage, it just seemed like we were fish out of water. But, uh, you know, I think we'll see a lot more zone. With uh, I think we'll have to see a lot more zone because our front seven is not going to be as electric as it was last year. Mm-hmm. You the best. Yeah. Just be creative. That's all you gotta do. Yeah. What about Eric Gilbert? I mean, I'm just glad he's back. You know, he doesn't even have to play a down this spring. Um, for me, um, I'm just glad he's back. He's in uniform, you know, he's smiling. He's having a good time. Yeah. Um, you know, just, just for him to even make that leap, you know, is good enough for me. Yeah. Um, not really, not really into, all right, well, he did this, he did that. No, I'm just glad he's back with us. Yeah. I just um, want to, I just want to see him, uh, run around, time catch, catch some passes. I, I just want to see him be involved. I mean, can you imagine, <laughs> uh, we said that we talked about this last night. Um, uh, you know, they were, we were talking about that. So we were doing some sprint, you know, brief spring updates and they were asking me about Eric Gilbert and, you know, they're like, well, George is finally going to see some 23 personnel. That's going to be scary. I said, yeah, you know, who's going to be really paying attention to that is Paul Christ up at Wisconsin. You know, we're going to show them how to use a 23 personnel package. Effectively the right way way. with uh, Darnell Brock and uh, Gilbert. And then, you know, obviously uh, McIntosh and Milton. So uh, I'm just, I I just, I, I can't wait to see Eric Gilbert. Cause I think he's going to be such a factor, you know, I, I, he's not just the fact that he's a mismatch. I think he's going to do some special things. You know, he, he, he's, he doesn't have to, to, to prove to me that he's going to be effective. He doesn't have to go out there and do anything special. I think he just has to go out there and play his game and just yep. do his thing. I just want to see him in pads, man. Yep. See him in pads, you know, running around smiling. Having a good time. I want to see him high five a couple people. 
I mean, I, I would even first game of the year, I, I would I would be okay with him getting a, a, a you know, a celebration penalty. Oh yeah, I would be okay with that. He's back. He's back. All people need to know. Let's do it. Speaking speaking of, he's back. Uh, a little basketball news. Some good news finally. Uh, you know, you lose the entire team to the transfer portal. Yeah, well, uh, that's wild. Well, Super Cario, Cario Quindo is coming back. He's he's decided that he was uh, he's going to bring his fifteen point two points per game uh, back to the Bulldogs. I, I guess I guess he liked what he heard from from uh, from Mike White, and uh, he's decided to return to the program, which is a huge boost. I, I think we'll get a few more uh, coming back out of the, the portal because of Quindo. I think Quindo is going. I think he was kind of the glue that you know held our team together. I mean, obviously they were checked out mentally, but they didn't totally quit. They kind of played hard. They just didn't play together. They were just weren't really into it, but they just kind of played hard for each other. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. maybe it does. Maybe it does. I don't know. But uh, I think a was, was, uh, was, was the glue that kind of held this team from going completely, complete mutiny on Tom Crean. Yeah, man. I think, I think that's a big get. I think that, you know, I think the guys that entered the transfer pool are guys that were like they don't really they don't really care or in their mind they don't really care about the basketball program anyway. You know, no, just they, from a standpoint from a standpoint of Because most of them came from the transfer better. portal. Most of them came you know from the I mean? portal, it meant nothing to them. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like I mean it's just another day, but I think, you know, with new coach coming in, um you got your one of your top guys staying, so I mean I think that's that's the best part. Yeah, I, I'm excited, dude. It's a human. I'm excited right, for just in case if they do, you know, stay in the transfer portal. I mean, that's up is up scholarship, which means we're going we can get better players. Oh yeah, transfer no, portal. No, no, whether I, it's I, recruits. Yeah. So I mean, it's a win-win situation no matter what. Yeah, I, I think so. You hate I, to lose. You hate to lose them, but at the same time, you're like appreciate it. I mean, did, did we? Re- I mean, did we really get a, besides a Quindo? Did we really, as Georgia fans, did we really get attached to anybody? Not really. No, I, I didn't get attached to anybody really. Not like the girls' basketball team and losing Barker like that. Yeah, Barker. That's that a t- was, that's a tough one. That's a tough one there. No, that's, that's a tough one. But I mean, her, you know, dad played at Alabama, so surprised she, didn't go there she also the picked up. She picked up a couple of recruits this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, basketball is getting exciting right now, which is great, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I think I think basketball is getting there's some little buzz is going on over there at the Coliseum. So it, it is, I'm excited. I'm excited. It, it is a good thing. So uh, okay, but before we before we wrap this thing uh, for the weekend, gotta gotta throw our obligatory baseball uh, baseball highlights. Seventeen right. to fifteen win the other night against Kennesaw. Yeah, well, I saw that one. Well, we got thumped by A and M eight to one tonight. Um, they're they're you know, it was bad. Uh, they they got off to a one nothing lead. Um, but they uh, you know, Texas A and M's starting pitcher he went eight strong. I mean, couldn't do much after that. Uh, you know, couldn't really hold him out. Just I think these injuries in the in the pitching staff are just starting to pile up now. Mm-hmm. I think that the pitching has, has got a lot to do with it. And we're not hitting the ball. 
you know, what's the best way to help a pitcher to struggling? Hit the ball. Yeah, hit the ball. You know, uh, let, let's not go three up, three down. Make him go back out there and struggle some more. Have an approach you at know? the plate. Put the ball. Our approaches are horrendous. I think I, it I, makes I, me mad watching it. I think everybody is trying to play gorilla ball. We talked, you know, I mm-hmm. I was talking about, we talked about this last night too. I mean, ironically, everybody's trying to play gorilla ball. Nobody, nobody wants to move runners. Nobody wants to put the ball in the gap and run. Nobody wants to play small ball, which that sounds so weak, but hell, I'll play small ball and score runs. Small ball gets you drafted. Yeah, I'll. I'll yeah, it's all about runs. And what sparked this conversation? I'm making my kids watch Tony Gwynn's baseball tape. Exactly. Tony Gwynn was I mean th- there's nobody like Tony Gwynn. Like 3 for 4, he was probably like not wanting to talk to reporters because he didn't go 4 for 4. Exactly. You know? But the ground he he flew out. That, nowadays, you hit a 500-foot bomb and then you strike out three times and you're over there beating your chest like, yeah, I hit a 500-foot bomb. No, you struck out three times with runners in scoring position. You know, you're trying 250 because that ain't good. You're batting 250, which means if you're doing that on the regular, there's probably nights where you don't hit as well. So your average is probably 160. And you're you're leaving a small you're leaving a, a small village on the base paths every uh, every game. So, you know what what impact does that have? No, just hit the damn ball hard somewhere on the ground or on, on the line. Put in a gap and run, man. What happened to button? People yeah. don't bunt no more. Yeah, hit and run. Nobody do. Nobody does that S- anymore. Situational baseball is dead. Can't it's be dead. me. It's Especially dead. like a day like today, you I'm getting my brains beat in eight to one. And you think I'm gonna send keep sending players up there just to keep swinging the bat? No, one get on, he's moving yeah. one way or another. Go deep into the count, Listen. like we're swinging too damn early. Take the pitcher deep into and, the count, make him throw and pitches. We're taking too many pitches. We're taking too many pitches too. Yeah, we're, we're we just have no approach. Like you know, we 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 don't allow a struggling pitcher to struggle. Because we, we help them out. Yeah. Or we allow <laughs> or we allow a good pitcher to be good because we don't swing the bat. You get a pitcher up there that strikes a lot of times. You know, I, we're sometimes we you know, the Florida series was great. I, I thought our approach was great. I thought our bats were good. I thought mm-hmm. our guys were comfortable. I thought we we jumped on pitchers early and caused them to struggle. The first time where we looked. We looked good. Like we, everything was together. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Um, defense was good. Pitching was good. Um, hitting was better. You know, yeah. so like it was, it was a great all around performance. Now or before that, oof. it was brutal. But it's but we so like in, two different teams. It's so inconsistent, and, and we don't know which which team. Like tomorrow, we could come out and win seventeen to two. Like that's exactly. that's what kind of team we are. Like it, like we either we're feast or famine. Right yeah, we're either feast or famine. We're too it's, much up and down right now. Exactly. Exactly. So I I, I, I would feel it. good if we just kind of stayed even keel for a little while. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, like have a have a three two game, you know, things like that. One zero. That'd yeah. be great. Have a game where you kind of you know, pitchers need to step up a little bit, you know. Next guy up. Whatever. But uh last Struggle thing. Both. Last thing, okay, if you're Dave Roberts, 
Are you keeping Clayton Kershaw in the game? Probably not. He's got a perfect game going. It's the Ooh. it's it's the it's the I guess it's the bottom of the eighth inning. He's yeah, pitched no, seven. He's pitched seven he's perfect innings. Prone. He's very much accident prone. I'm so. still I'm still not pulling him. It's April. But, yeah, but I'm letting him go. Might, he might not come back till October, and then October he might hurt his toe. And then he comes back in in the second round of the playoffs. Well, October Kershaw is completely different, but I'm I'm letting him get the perfect game. Yeah, I'm letting him roll tonight. I'm letting him roll. He's got a perfect game. I'm letting letting him roll. I mean, obviously, obviously, check on him, make sure, see how he feels and stuff like that. But he was only sitting, he was only sitting at 80 pitches. That's kind of up there. Is he still hitting the same velocity? Yeah. Everything's still good? Oh, okay. Yeah, he struck out. Thir- he, good. he was sitting on 13 strikeouts, 80 pitches. He was feeling good. He, I mean, didn't look like much of a downgrade from, from the first inning. I mean, dude yeah. was dealing. Out of, out of 27 outs, 13 number strikeouts. I mean, the, the, I mean, the, the ball was heavy because it was cold. It was up in Minnesota. He's still dealing. And he was dealing. They couldn't hit it. They couldn't touch his curveball. He wasn't. I mean, he wasn't. And he wasn't pounding the zone with a bunch of fastballs either. Hey, if he's rolling, let him go. He let was him, rolling. As long as he's feeling good, leave him in. Yeah, I think you leave him in, and, and then as soon as somebody gets a hit, you take him out. Yeah. Soon, as soon as he gets somebody, as soon as he loses the perfect game, pull him. But it, but as long as it's perfect, leave it alone. I mean, they didn't let point of the ride, game. Just let him ride. Let him. I mean, it's only happened. It would have been the twenty fourth all time. Like twenty four people in the history of baseball, history of Major League Baseball, have thrown a perfect game. Yeah, I don't know what benefit. Yeah, whatever. But uh, I, I just thought it was, I just thought it was one of those things where like paralysis by analysis and all this analytics stuff kind of, you know, went by the. I just I, I thought he overthought it. You know, I, I felt like he, I felt like he just outcoached himself on that. Like, oh, he's at eighty pitches now. Like, like he's going by the card. And not, hey, this guy's yeah. dealing, man. I'm, I don't have, like, if you get a chance, every chance you can get to preserve your bullpen, you take it. Mm-hmm. You know? like that. And you got a veteran guy out there. I mean, I, I, I would understand if it was some second year, fifth starter, just having a, just having a lucky outing. But still, I mean, you preserve your bullpen. Yeah. Just see him in the inning. Big dog, you good? All right. Well, you're going back out there as long as you're good. Yeah. Hey, your arm hurting? No. Cool. Get back out there. It's Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> the dude's been your ace for a decade. <laughs> Literally. He's earned that. 
I do hope he can stay healthy this year, though. What's that? I said I hope he can stay healthy this year. I do, too. I, I, I do, too. But I, I don't think this game would have had any bearing on that. So. But anyway. But it, it's, uh, it's it's looking about that time. It's it got late real early around here. Yeah, time's moving these days, boy. It's been time, fast. Time, today was see we had we had a we had we had a teacher in service day today. It was a, it was like a stockpile day. We we get all these inclement weather days, and when we don't use them all, they let us have days like today, where they're oh, like nice. stockpiled PD days. Which our PD days like this is why I love our principal because our PD days are like. Like some schools, they do like wall to wall. Like you're in, you're sitting in trainings, trainings for like from eight to two, you know, and it's just stuff that you could, most of it's stuff that you could probably just read in an email. No, our, our principal's like, okay, what do you absolutely, what do we absolutely need as a whole group? Okay, we're going to do just that. So we did from eight to 11. And it was, uh, we're doing a EOC testing. So like yeah. part of it was, you know, we did, we did three sessions. So one session was testing. One session was like our Academy meeting where we meet as an Academy and go over like logistics stuff where present instructional strategies and talk about progress reports. And then our, our other session was, Hey, here's what's coming up next year. Like, here's what we're thinking about for next year. Like we're hiring these positions for next year. We've got, this is our budget. We've got these growth positions. Like, like what other principles doing that? Being that detailed at this time of year for next year. So it's, it's outstanding. So we, uh, and then the rest of the day was like, okay, it's 11 o'clock. Get your progress reports done. Uh, I'm not really looking for you. Holla, holla. <laughs> yeah. Two fingers to the sky. That's right. So, but uh, yeah, it's, it's cool, man. So, that's what we do. We got enough. And, and, then, and then because it didn't snow as much this year, uh, May 3rd is a just a complete day off. It's another stockpile day that they awarded us because we didn't use them all. School board had to vote on it, and they unanimously voted that it was uh, off for everybody. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, we don't have workouts tomorrow morning, so I'm going to sleep good tonight. Let me tell you. There you go. Well, we can go another three hours then. Absolutely. Next time, maybe. (laughs) Maybe the summer. (laughs) Do a marathon session. (laughs) Summertime. I'm, I'm all for it. There you go. Maybe we should do a maybe we should do our own version of a Manning cast if we can get those rights to be able to pop the game on in between us. Do like our very own Manning cast. We invite TK to roll through, Vince to roll through, Jay, uh, JSW, um, Prince, all those guys, Caleb King, all of our coach, all your coaching buddies. Get some of my coaching buddies to roll through, especially for playing Tennessee. We can make fun of them. So yeah, that'd be funny. It'd be good stuff for real. Yep, that would be. I wonder. I wonder if we'd have the rights to to live stream that. That'd be that'd 
that, that'd be interesting. Pick like one game to try it out with. Just, 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 just as a sample. Just noticed it looked like I murdered somebody because my son got sucker red stuff all over my shirt. I just saw it in the the camera. I'm like, what is that? Is that a shadow on my shirt? And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's a blow pop sucker. There you go. Hey, I didn't even notice it. Good like, man. I didn't even notice it. You're good. Plus, it's your plus. It's one of your workout shirts anyway, so you're good. It's one of your football shirts. It's, it's probably true. probably stays dirty. That's all good. Absolutely. That's that's why that's why I can't I cannot own white t-shirts because I don't own them very long because they get fat. I feel you. It definitely, definitely be like that sometimes. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. Can't can't go with the white shirt. Gotta go with the gray or the black or like the dark team color. Absolutely. Less stains. So anyway. And if I'm in a white t-shirt, you better not take me anywhere near an Italian or Mexican place. <laughs> Cause that salsa or that marinara is going to be right down Broadway. Boy, let me put you bibbo. I know. I really do. I really do. Like that's, that's not even a stretch, not even a stretch. So, but anyway, we're going to wrap this thing up. Um, we are going to, uh, we're going to wish you a good, happy Easter weekend. Uh, catch that G-Day game on Saturday. Uh, follow us on social media. Check us out. We will be, uh, we'll be with you um, all spring and summer long. We'll be getting you ready for uh, the 2022 season. Uh, and we'll be wrapping up the, uh, the spring sports. We'll be having a little fun in the summer. And uh, we're, we're, we're going to, we're, we're going to continue to bring the, bring the, bring the stuff. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun show uh, moving forward. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to have Joe back on post draft and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get this thing moving. So for Israel troop, I'm Corey Burton. We are the believe in Georgia dogs podcast presented by BetOnline.ag, and coming at you on Brinks TV as well. Hit us up on social media. Have a great Easter. We'll see you back here next week with another edition. So long. See you later. Go dogs. Go dogs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 